Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. So good to see everybody, man. I'm excited about today. We're starting off. I feel like I've been doing baby dedications left and right. That's always a good thing. Let you know your church isn't dead. And some churches go 20 years without doing a baby dedication. God help us. It's sad, really. It really is sad. And so we're grateful today for this year. I don't know how many we've done, but we've done quite a few. And um, I've lost count, but man, we're so excited. Isn't Aylin just a beauty? I mean, we don't, we don't want to you know, talk about the rest of the family here. It's about you today, kid. You are the highlight of the show with that green bow. I was thinking this morning while I was preparing, what a responsibility that God has given us as parents. Has anybody ever really thought about that? The responsibility in a world of abortions left and right and the, a, a loss of value in human life, you know, and, and, and left and right we see abortions, literally thousands upon thousands happening every single day. In a time like that, thank God for a group of people that value human life. And they understand that human life is that baby inside of the womb. Can you say amen? And so the responsibility that God gives to us as parents is absolutely, it's a little frightening to be honest with you. Because we want to get it right. You know what I'm saying? We just want to get it right. And we're afraid that if we mess up, we're going to mess their life up. But all we can do is just pray and ask God to guide us and help us. We do the best that we can, and God does the rest. So baby dedication is, of course, a proper step. It's a first step, but it's only one step of the process. Samuel was taken to the temple, as we all know, by his mother to be dedicated to God. Jesus was taken to the temple by his parents to be dedicated on the eighth day. But think about this. Here we are, we have a dedication today, and this family has made the proper move. They're bringing little Aileen to be dedicated, given back to God. This is a proper step. It is a right step. But to thank the responsibility that we have that God has entrusted this precious baby, and she is into what I'm saying, buddy. She is getting every word. For eight, roughly 18 years, for 18 years, this is our responsibility. And even further than that, beyond, but as far as under our roof, for 18 years, it is my job as a parent to train up a child in the way it should go, right? But I love the promise of God. He said, and when they are old, if we do that, faithfully do it, then they will not ever depart from it. It sticks in them. Because children are a blessing from the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is your reward. And even though babies cry, and this one, this is a good baby right here. Look at her. She's, she ain't cried yet. She can stay up here the whole service. But I promise you that there's not she cries, right? I mean, doesn't she? <laughs> babies cry. And so you're like, oh my gosh. But all the joy that a baby brings and children bring to our life, it makes all of that pain and sorrow and crying worth every mile of the journey because we understand that they're the reward. They're the reward to us. 
And once we value their life and what they can bring, we understand that God has given us a gift. I'm going to quote a couple of scriptures. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me. Where? In my mother's womb. I will praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. Jeremiah 29, 11, He went on to say this. He said, God said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Little Aileen, I'm going to read something to you today. And I know you don't understand what I'm saying. But I came across a prayer, blessing prayer that I really like. It said, may you learn to seek the Lord in wisdom and in truth. May you come to know Christ Jesus from your very youth. May you fear and honor God when you're still quite young. May you honor your parents too, that your life may be long. May your words be ever sweet and loving and so kind. May you one day truest love and devotion in another find. May you always have enough with a spirit generous. May you always tell the truth and show trustworthiness. May contentment bless your life in every little way. May you know your value, God's gift we cherish every day. May health and strength around in you from the very start. May you be gracious and steadfast and always guard your heart. May you bring joy into our lives like we have never known. May you be a blessing from your birth until you're grown. God bless you, baby. Amen. I want the family to come up forward. We're going to take some pictures. Jennifer, grab me some good pictures there if you would. And we have a few gifts that we're going to give them today. Pastor Brown, will you hold those until I get ready for them there? And I'll give them to them at the end. Because I'm going to get a few pictures and I want to pray over this family. Does anybody else want to be in the pictures? Grandparents, y'all want to come? They come. We got a few more people coming here. Great grands, whoever. If you want to be in this picture, you better run. Oh, they want to get one now. Go ahead. shot wherever you can fit in I guess you kind of jump in front of me if you want to there I can hide in the back here all right photographer are we good all right great get a good picture smile thank y'all amen all right just let me turn hey Leonard you can let me hold you for just a minute baby are you Listen, I've bragged about you, talked about how you never cry. There you go, Mama's right here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Aylin today. Thank you for this family. Thank you for the step, the decision that they have made as parents to bring this little baby to the Lord and to dedicate her. That is exactly what we do today. We pray a prayer blessing on her, even as a babe. We are praying that as she grows up, that something special, people would see something special about this child. Let them know that there's something different. Even Jesus in the temple, 12 years old, running around, they said, this guy, there's something different about him. Father, we pray that your spirit would rest on her in such a way that we'll know even as she grows that the anointing of God is on her life. Take her, use her. You know the plans that you have for her. They are to prosper her. 
And so we pray that blessing on her. We pray that blessing on her family as they support her in her spiritual journey. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them a hand clap today. I'm going to take up like 30 seconds while they move the stage. Y'all know how they have curtains in plays and you pull the curtains? I do have a couple announcements I'll make before while they're getting set up here. Anyone interested in singing in the choir, meet with Pastor Brian today after service, immediately following service in the choir room. If you go through those doors, you take off all the way down and you will literally run into the choir room. Going to be going over that today. This is the last meeting before the first of the year. And then we're going to get both of those groups together and hopefully in the first year be able to form a choir and, uh, and hear some good singing from the choir again. Won't you be glad for that? Amen? Amen. All right. We'll see if they sound good or not, then we'll clap. Anyhow, so God bless you guys. Amen. Yes, the Christmas season is here. Let's stand together. Wonderful Christmas Eve. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to celebrate him coming to earth and taking our place. And Lord, we lift you and magnify you. We glorify you. It's good to know he will reign. Amen. He is Lord of all. Lord, we lift you in this place right now. We welcome you to have your way. Hallelujah. In the bleak midwinter all creation grows for a world in darkness, frozen like a stone, light is breaking in a stable for a throne, and he shall reign forevermore, forevermore, and he shall reign forevermore. Forevermore unto us. 
Jesus a hand clap of praise today in his presence. Amen. I also want to announce that on the 19th of this month, we're going to be having our Christmas play for our kids, and I promise you, you don't want to miss that. It's going to be really, really, really good, so be here for that. We're going to have coffee and, and, and all kinds of things. We're going to have it in the gym is where that service is going to take place, so um, that's really exciting, and I promise you, we, we did this a couple years ago. 
had close to 300 people show up for it, so I encourage you, invite. I'm telling you, grandparents, uh, they'll come to this stuff. Cousins, your cousin's neighbor, I mean, <laughs> they'll all come. All you got to do is tell me you're having a Christmas play, and they'll go, oh, yeah, I love to see Christmas plays. So, and tell them the kids are doing it. Adults, they don't care about us, but kids, it's, it's just a different thing. And so please invite all your family. Let's have a good crowd here and see what God can do. Oh, I want to preach today a sermon entitled, Devil, You Can't Have My Vineyard. If you have your Bibles, 1 Kings 21, there's a couple of you that have read your Bible in here and you know exactly where I'm going. There's others that are saying, I have never heard of such a thing in all the Bible. So for you that have never heard of it, I'm glad to introduce you to the story of a man by the name of Nabal and a wicked old king by the name of Ahab that represents the devil. Naboth represents us in the story and our inheritance that belongs to us rightfully. 1 Kings 21. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house. And for it, I will give you a vineyard that is better than its. Or, if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth and money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you! Exclamation point. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because... The word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. In layman's terms, he pouted. He went and laid on his bed, turned his face to the wall. Would you like some food, king? I ain't eating right now. I'm so disgusted over a great yard a vineyard, some grapes on the vine. I am so upset that I am not even going to eat. Some people have a hard time with the word no, folks. It was like the shirt a while back that said, what part of no don't you understand? No is no. Well, Ahab had never seen that t-shirt apparently because he didn't understand as a king and in the powerful position that he is in, he doesn't understand what it means to be told no. And so Ahab pouts over the refusal, the refusal of a man by the name of Naboth to relinquish or give up his property in his vineyard. Now the vineyard today represents what I will call our Holy Spirit, our Holy Ghost heritage. The vineyard will represent what we will call the Pentecostal heritage. And there is a force in the world today, whether we want to face the facts or not, but there is a force in the world today that is inconvenienced by our presence. There is a group of people that are inconvenienced by us. They hate Pentecost. There is a group of people that hate conservatism. There is a group of people that have made comments and they wish that all the conservatives would just die already. Because they don't like what we stand for and they don't like the heritage that we possess. And because of this they want to cancel us out. They want to get rid of us. They are inconvenienced 
by our presence. And that's kind of what is going on with Naboth. The, the king is inconvenienced because his vineyard is in a position he doesn't like it being in. As a matter of fact, it is right beside his palace. So he thinks that it should belong to him. And it is an inconvenience that that is not the vineyard that he can walk into. So he's got vineyards. He's got money. He's got everything in the land that he could ever want. But he wants that vineyard because that vineyard he wants to be able to walk out of the palace and go down pick him a grape and, and just enjoy walking and strolling through his vineyard that is outside of the courts pretty much of the palace and this is why he wants that can I say to somebody today that the devil wants our vineyard so he can plow it under he wants to replace it with bitter herbs what the worldly system we can call it today and that is exactly what Satan has done to many of churches that at one point had a stand for God. At one point they had a voice for God. At one point they had a heritage. Man, I'm telling you, have you ever heard the stories of churches? And oh man, you should have seen this place 25 years ago. Boy, we had some people coming 25 years ago. I mean, we had church back then. Have you ever heard those stories as they tell you time after time again how good it used to be? But now you look at a church that is desolate. The worldly system has prevailed. And now there may be a few people on the pews and all they can think about is what they used to be and what they used to have. What has happened is Satan has come into a vineyard that used to be good, that used used to be full of happiness that used to be full of the spirit and the joy of the Lord and he has absolutely plowed it he filled it with bitter herbs he filled it with bitterness and confusion until people left and they dispersed it and the vineyard is no longer the churches even though it may have church on the sign in reality it's the vineyard of the devil he owns it now what used to happen there is no longer happening the power of Christ that used to move is no longer moving. Now there are two reasons. And I don't want to get too deep into my sermon before I really get to what I'm wanting to preach. But, but there are two reasons that Naboth refuses to relinquish this vineyard. The first one is his forefathers had handed it down to him. They generation after generation after generation this vineyard has been passed down. This inheritance has been passed down. Second, his children were counting on it for their future. Just like granddaddy gave it to him, their expectation was one day that their father would give it to them. Do you see where I'm going today? I am particular about our Pentecostal heritage, folks. I really am. And the reason I'm so particular about our Pentecostal heritage and the reason that I refuse to give up this vineyard is because my forefathers have handed it down to me. There is too much blood, sweat, and tears that have went into this church that I'm just going to give it up. There is too much in our Pentecostal heritage. We've seen too many miracles to walk away from it. Well, a matter of fact, let's go even further. Literally, blood has been shed for this church. And when I say this church, I'm referring to the church of Jesus Christ. There are many men throughout the Bible, even women we can read of, that were tortured, that were killed because they stood up for this heritage. Because they stood up for the Holy Spirit heritage that they had. Because they would not give it up and relinquish the vineyard. And so they stood up for it. And they literally had to die. 
I wonder sometime if we are really willing to die for the vineyard. I wonder if we value the Pentecostal heritage so much. The moving of His Spirit so much. That if somebody tried to take it from us. I wonder if we would stand up and say not happening today. I wonder what would happen if we were to go back to the Roman Colosseum's days. Where, where they literally would let out lions on Christians. Hungry lions. And them sick, sick crowd. They would sit there and just laugh and giggle and clap. As bodies were ripped apart by wild beasts. And they sit there and just laugh. It is like entertainment to them. And you thought Netflix was bad. I mean, this was real life stuff. But as they are dying, do you know what they're fighting for? Their vineyard. They are fighting for what their fathers passed down to them. We've got to fall in love with our inheritance again, folks. We've got to fall in love with Pentecost again. We've got to fall in love that there is a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that is working in us. We've got to understand there's too much invested to preserve this inheritance for us just to give it into the hands of the enemy. So I am loyal in a sense today to my forefathers, even dating back to the days of the Bible. But I am more concerned for my children. Because I want to be able to pass along to my children a strong Pentecostal message. And I want to be able to pass on to my children a strong Pentecostal church. The last thing that I want to produce as a pastor is a dead, dried up church. The last thing that I want for Gap Hill is for us to be a church that seems lifeless. Nothing's happening. I want to be a church that is alive and well and flowing in the anointing and the giftings of, of the Spirit of God. And so because I love this inheritance so much and I want it passed down to my children... See, I, I, don't, I don't want my children to have what is merely a vague memory of this, of this vineyard, our Pentecostal heritage. I want them to remember it vividly. How can they remember it vividly? Well, the only way that we can really keep it alive is if we keep it alive. If, if, if you allow the devil to come in and take the inheritance that is ours then our children do not know what this Pentecostal experience is. And I'm afraid that that is what's happening in our Pentecostal movement today uh, across the whole board, is I'm afraid that we are dropping off our Pentecostal roots. And we are missing out on what God is wanting to do in our midst. And the further and further that we get away from our heritage, guess what happens to the next generation? Anybody want to guess? They know nothing of the inheritance. Because like, like me raised in Pentecost my whole life. And I remember I could tell you story after story after story of what God did. Many of those things that I saw were through my teenage years. And even earlier than teenage years I remember a lot of things that were happening in our church. Just I'm talking about the supernatural. I, I, I'm talking about things you couldn't explain with human logic. That's the kind of Pentecost I'm talking about. I'm talking 
about cancers healed. I'm talking about people that literally you saw it in action. I'm talking about people that can't walk, but all of a sudden they're walking. It, It just doesn't make sense. This is the heritage that we have, ladies and gentlemen. This is our inheritance. This is our vineyard. But through the years, Satan has snuck into our vineyard. And he has plowed up certain sections of it. Until, yes, we may have a portion. And, yes, we may have a piece. But it's kind of like we've been studying on Wednesday night. God didn't intend for Israel to have half of Canaan. He intended for them to have all of the land. But because of their sin and because of their rebellion... Inch by inch, the enemy comes in. And we saw it in our lesson, especially in the book of Judges. As tribe after tribe, they begin to walk in and take God's people and their land. Until now, we're waiting for the promise of Revelation where Israel goes back to their homeland. Because they've been dispersed. The enemy took their territory. Oh, I want to take my time. I I want to get this today. I do not need a vague memory. I want a presence and an ongoing experience of the Holy Ghost power in our midst. Because of my posterity, meaning for all future generations, I declare today, the devil, you can't have my vineyard. I declare to him today, he cannot have churches that are Pentecostal. He cannot get us away from our roots. The best days are yet before us. I shall see the presence and glory of the Lord in my generation. Your children are going to see and declare the works of the Lord. I'm telling somebody today, you better watch out. Satan is after the vineyard. Ahab, in our story, he gives three proposals to Naboth. Are you ready? The first proposal that he gives is this. All right? You can give it to me. Right? Give me your vineyard. Just give it to me. So the king assumed that because of his power, because of his prestige, because of his position as king, he thought that Naboth, out of the goodness of his heart, would automatically just give it up without a fight, right? So Ahab threw his weight around, if I can say it that way, and he demanded the vineyard. Does anybody know people like that? He's like, they like, I I don't want to call names. I don't want to name drop. Really? I will not fear what man can do to me. I think that's what David said, right? When God's on my side. Listen, I don't want to name drop. Or don't make me bring up my position. Do you know who I am? Yes, I'm about to choke to death right now. Hallelujah, let's loosen it up. Do you know who I am? Name throwing and the power that we have. And because we possess this, they should just give it. So when Ahab could not get the vineyard as a gift, he says, I'm going to have to try some other methods. See, too many have entered into a battle with the devil because they bowed down to his position. They have gotten to the place that they said, well, what's the use in fighting? We can't win this battle anyhow. Have you looked at the world today? Have you seen everything going on? There's people years ago that gave up on abortion they said Roe versus Wade's always going to prevail but guess what's in the Supreme Court right now it can change everything as we know it 
to where now it goes back to the states and South Carolina will have a fetal heartbeat bill which means that the moment that they put that, that ultrasound up there and they listen, they hear that fetal heartbeat, you cannot legally get an abortion. That's powerful. That's wonderful. That's great. Right now I think it's what, 24 weeks I believe? Up to 24 I believe is what Roe versus Wade was, if I'm not mistaken, 24 weeks. So what I'm telling you is this right here. We, don't, we, we could have given up on the fight a long time ago. But guess what? Thank God that people that are in the position to do so, especially in preachers and leaders, we've had a voice. We've said it's wrong and we've called it out from our pulpits and we've let the world know it's murder and it's wrong and God hates this and it's a sin of a nation that will carry us to hell if we don't stop it. It's murder. And see, and we talk about this. If we would have gave up on the fight, guess what? what? Nothing would have changed. But thank God for some people that just said we're going to keep on fighting. So there's some of us that think this thing's too far gone. We'll never be back to the days of miracles. We'll never be back to a days that we can truly experience a move of the Holy Spirit. We'll never be back to the days where those crazy grandparents talked about seeing a haze in the building. We'll never be back to those days where they said they could see a fog as it filled the temple. And we thought it was the eggnog that grandma made for Christmas. But it wasn't Christmas time when she saw it unless she had eggnog year round. Come on somebody. She saw the glory of God. So maybe we could say it's too far gone. This church will never turn around. The glory days are gone. The best days are behind us. But thank God for those that say I'm not going to quit fighting. See I thought about Goliath yesterday when I was studying yesterday morning. And Goliath for 40 days came out and said is there not a man that can fight me? For 40 days he taunted all of the Israelites. King Saul, who's a leader, he should have been the first one out there ready to fight. He was anointed by God to be king. Instead of doing that, he hid in his tent. All the men that are trained to fight in war, guess where they're at? They're hiding too. For 40 days, the adversary comes out and says, who's going to fight me? He literally taunted them. He literally was making a mockery of them. Who do you think you are? But thank God for a little David that came along and said, I'm not going to give you an inch, devil. I'm going to stand up to you because I come to you not in my name, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts that you've been cursing all day long. I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds. That's exactly what he did. Thank God he didn't give up and say this fight's too far gone. We've been waiting for 40 days. Nothing's going to change. He was willing to fight for what he believed in. Some people never knew they had the option to fight. You can't fight. You can fight back. But you've got to have the whole armor of God on your side. I understand. Sure, I can't win by myself. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in all of this world. I can do all things through Christ who has given me the strength to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying today? So I will not, I need the devil to understand today that I will not give away my Pentecostal heritage. Devil, you can't have my vineyard. It's ours. We're not giving it to you. Well, that doesn't work, so let's go to option number two. Sell it to you ever heard the statement that money talks? Huh? Anybody know what I'm talking 
money talks. So the king comes out and says that there's one thing that I've got at my disposal. I got a bucket full of cash. Surely that vineyard isn't that valuable to you. And if it is, I'm going to pay you off so you'll give it to me. He's willing to pay a high price for the vineyard so he can plow it under, do whatever he wants to do with it. I mean, forget about heritage, right? It'll be my new vineyard, not yours anymore. I'm telling you that there's no memories. There's no memories here. There's no inheritance here. There's nothing. This property is nothing but property to him. Maybe a few grapes. But to Naboth, it is so much more. To this world, our Pentecostal heritage means absolutely nothing. To this world, being able to come into a church and experience the presence of God means nothing to them. A matter of fact, many of them will sit on the outside and they'll say, Well, how do you even know there's a God? To those people I say, you ought to come in and experience Him for yourself. And once you get in a house that's filled with God's presence, and you leave that place saying there's not a God, you're a reprobate and apostate, and I can't win you to Jesus. I'm turning you over to Satan. That's what Paul did. Once you have experienced this. So so God, he said, alright, let's just sell it. So Satan, this is sad, but Satan has literally paid off some people, folks. He has paid off some people to quieten their Pentecostal message. A matter of fact, I don't know why they did it, but money. Money bought them. They, they literally have sold out to popularity. They have sold out to prestige. To where some pastors would rather be on a Hollywood cover than they would to preach the holiness of God. Which is none other than the word rightly divided with truth. I don't know if they did it for the numbers. I don't know if they did it for more tithes and support than they thought they would get. But their message has changed. And they are preaching a dead gospel. To dead people. You know, it's, I was thinking the other day, it's sad. You know, there's no telling how many people sit on church pews every Sunday that are going to split hell wide open. I mean, we just assume that because somebody comes to church, they love Jesus, right? Wrong. We just assume that because people fill buildings, well, it must mean that they're doing something right. Wrong. Because when we give up the message of truth. See the only way you can experience this Pentecostal heritage. You can't have it without the holiness of God. So so what I'm telling you is that when God told us to preach the word. He said preach the whole word. When he said eat the book. John he said eat the whole book. And he said then you preach and you rightly divide the word of what? Of truth. The only way that we can truly experience this Pentecostal blessing that God has given us in our vineyard, if I can say it that way, is when we get back to preaching, thus saith the Lord. And when we get back to living what thus saith the Lord, it is then. So for those that aren't really sold out to God, they're willing to sell out to the enemy. 
And so many have just sold off this blessing. Some people have sold out the material goods of the world. I could be a big name, all right? I, I, you can ask my wife. I, I'll sell most anything, all right? I will. I'll sell most anything. If somebody came to me today and said, Preacher, can I buy your suit for the right price? I would say yes. <laughs> I would go get it dry clean, let you try on the suit coat. I'll bring it back to you next Sunday. I mean, that's just how I roll. It's kind of like the old days. They ain't nothing not for sale, right? I'll sell most anything. And I'm going to tell you what I won't sell, and that's my Pentecostal heritage. I don't care how much money they offer me. I don't care how they tell me to tweak my sermon and to change my sermon just so I can fill a building. I will say I don't want anything to do with that because this Pentecostal heritage, this vineyard, it means too much to me. My children are counting on it. So yes, if daddy compromises and if I sell out to the world and I sell out to the enemy and I just let him take our church and do whatever he wants with it, then brothers and sisters, look, what do my children have to look forward to? What do my children have a blessing for they've got nothing but going through the motions and I can't have that I want a church that is full of the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit and if you're a parent today you should want the same for your kids too and if you don't there's something wrong with your heart don't everybody shout it once or you'll ruin my message because this Pentecostal heritage, this Pentecostal faith is not for sale. Simon the sorcerer, do you remember that story? He told Peter and John, he said, hey, I love these miracles you're doing. Man, it's so cool when you walk by people that can't walk and you're talking about, I got silver and gold and ain't got none of that, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they're running and they're leaping and they're praising God in the temple. That's cool. I don't have my wallet, but I got this. I got a debit card, right? <laughs> and you just let me buy this. <laughs> I don't know how y'all doing these tricks. He's a sorcerer, so he knows what magic is all about. I don't know how y'all doing these parlor tricks, but here goes my wallet. My debit card, you make it happen. I want to be able to do what you do. I want the power that you have. I want to go around. I want to heal the sick. I want to raise the dead. I want to do these parlor tricks you've been doing. To which they say, you don't understand, Simon. We didn't get this overnight. We've been through hell and high water. We've had to leave our families behind. Sell everything that we had and follow Him. We took up our cross when we didn't feel like it and we fought for Him. We fought for Him when we suffered through it all. When people mocked us and ridiculed us, they threw us in jail and blood is running down our back from where we were beaten by stripes but bless God we still praise his name in the midnight hour this is not for sale and shame on you for thinking you could buy it he said this kind of anointing only comes through prayer this kind of anointing only comes through fasting this to have this power you've got to sacrifice oh God almighty I am not going to give it to him. I'm not going to sell it to him. So finally he says, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Just trade it to me. See, I've got another vineyard. And so all we're going to do, my vineyard's a little bigger than your vineyard. My vineyard's nicer than your vineyard, right? So there's more grapes over there. So what we're going to do is we're going to trade. I'm going to give you the better vineyard. 
and, and you give me this little puny vineyard. See, there's something about the grass is always greener on the Right? On the other side. But what they told us was that the devil didn't tell you there was a septic tank on that side. And septic tanks always produce greener grass. It's sewage. It's dirty. I don't want it. So he says, let's trade off. So he offers to allow Naboth to remain in the vineyard business. Right? You can still be the, the vine dresser. You can stay in the vineyard business as long as you move to a different place and get away from this place and this palace. See, Satan doesn't really mind if we stay in the business. Woo! Are y'all ready for this? I'm at 29 minutes. I know i got to start winding down, but I feel like I'm just winding up. Satan doesn't mind if we stay in the business of the church. He's not afraid of churches. We've got thousands of churches. We have got 300 or more church of gods alone in our denomination in the church of God in the state of South Carolina. Over 300 of them. Satan is not afraid of the church business. Are you ready? As long as we will trade off for some deluded, dried up, less influential, watered down brand of Pentecost. <laughs> Woo! If you will settle for that, then, oh man, you can stay in the vineyard business. I really don't even care. Satan doesn't mind. There was a revival that happened in the early 1900s. It was called the Azusa Street Revival. Has anybody ever heard of it? For anybody that knows our history as a church of God, we were born out of those days. Azusa Street Revival. There were three prophecies that came out uh, of that, and it was... It was prophecies that they said would be for the last day Pentecostal church, right? So they're prophesying in the early 1900s about what's going to happen in the end times. We are talking a hundred plus years of the things I'm about to tell you that they said was going to happen. Are you ready? In Pentecost, this is what they said. Me and Branson were looking the other day, and I'll tell you this, the prophecies that, that I am fixing to tell you about as a result the Pentecost vineyard has been jeopardized because of these things. I, we were looking the other day and we were playing this game and I was trying to figure out what, what's the rarest animal. And so we were looking up some of the rarest animals. Uh, what was that fish called? A, 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 the, old, uh, the, the fat fish. The blob. Blobfish. Has anybody ever heard of the blobfish? That's exactly what it is. It's a bunch of blob. They named it right. And so this little game, it tells you what you're thinking. And sure enough, it got the blobfish right. But as I began to look up all these animals, what I found out is all of them that we were looking up was almost nearly extinct. In other words, they are in jeopardy of losing it all. A matter of fact, they are called an endangered species. And as I thought about it, I said, my God, help the Pentecostal church because I'm afraid we're the same way. I'm afraid that we're becoming an endangered species. We talk about animals all the time. Oh God, we got to protect the whale. Well, what about the church? I mean, we're more worried about the sea turtle down at Myrtle Beach than we are the Pentecostal roots that we had back in 1900 and something when we were born. 1940, whenever it was. Come on, somebody. 
We're more worried about endangered species than we are an endangered church. But I'm telling you, we are seeing a Pentecostal heritage that is becoming next to extinct. And if somebody in the church doesn't get a burden and rise up and tell the devil he can't have the vineyard before too long, he's going to own them all. Number one, there will be an overemphasis on power rather than righteousness. Did you hear that? That's the prophecy number one. There will be an overemphasis on, on, on power rather than on righteousness. See, you've got to understand something. You can't have God's power without God's righteousness. So what they were saying is there would be a day in the church that we would try to continue to operate and function in the power of Pentecost. We just wasn't living right. Woo! Son, this will preach like crazy. And I'm afraid that's what we've developed. A life of no separation. But we want a life of Pentecost. We want a life of miracles. But we don't want any prayer. We want a life of God doing great things like we've never seen for our children before. But you ask us to read our Bible, man, it's almost like pulling teeth. We don't have time for that. Is somebody with me today? But God's coming back for a church. And we'll post on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and every other channel that there is. Social media. Talking about how much we love Jesus. And we ain't talked to Him in two weeks. Come on somebody. I'm talking about an overemphasis on power. Rather than righteousness. Number two. There will be an overemphasis on praise to a God that people no longer pray to. So in other words, you must have more of an experience with God than your Sunday morning. So the prophecy was that we're going to come to church on Sunday mornings. We're going to do our thing. We're going to have a one hour service, maybe less. And we're going to get our praise on. Come on, somebody. And we're going to wait for God to refuel us next Sunday. Now, I got a truck that gets about 10 point, well, how, where's it at now? It just keeps moving on me. It was 10.9, I think it went to 10.2. I don't know, Satan's in that truck. Pray for it. It just keeps dropping. And I'm rebuking it and I'm fighting, you know, devil, you can't have my gas mileage, but I, right now he's winning. And so I'm sitting here and I see, and what I'm telling you is if I drive that truck too much, I got to fill up very, very often because I run out. I'm not getting that good a gas mileage. And I'm telling you, I'm afraid that that is exactly where we are today. We have church folks that run in on Sunday morning. We get fueled up and say, man, I can't wait to take the devil on this week. By the time we come next Sunday, everybody's defeated. Everybody's discouraged. Everybody don't even think they should be there. They don't feel like being there. They don't want to be there. And we're wondering what's going on. I'll tell you what there is. There's an overemphasis on praise to God on Sunday. And no longer praying during the week. No personal devotion. So we are going to raise up a church. That learns where you get your fix from. The church is your drug. Come get a spiritual high Sunday. Woo! Put in the offering plate. We'll do it again next week. That is not the church that God intended for us to have. 
And I'm telling you, if we value the vineyard, and if we value our inheritance, my God, we would fall on our face today and we would beg God to change us. We would beg God to save our children. We would beg God to do something that would wake up Six Mile Community because everybody's got a church on every corner. Listen, we got three churches on this street. We got a Gap Hill Holiness. We got a Gap Hill Baptist. We got a Gap Hill Church of God. And my Lord, there's probably one on down the road, on down there. I mean, we've got churches everywhere. You can go sit on any pew. It's hard to find a church where the presence of God is really moving. Come on, somebody. It is hard to find a place that when you get there, you know that you've been in church. And you know that the shekinah of glory has been hovering over that place. You can find a church. But I'm talking about an Isaiah church. It's the year that King Uzziah has died. Chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And what is happening? His train is filling the temple. You can find the church. But it's harder to find His train. (laughs) Because His train represents His glory. His power. His presence. Number 3. There will be an overemphasis on spiritual gifts rather than the lordship of Christ. We will get a day that we will worship the created more than we worship the creator. Are y'all ready for this? We will go to church and we'll talk about how good the singing was. We'll go to church and we'll talk about that preacher. Man, you ought to come hear my preacher. Mm-mm-mm, my God, that, oh yeah. And I love when y'all say, man, it makes me feel good, all right? I'm not telling you to talk about how bad I am, all right? Come in. Pat me on the back, rub me on the head, whatever. All right. You ought to come hear that preacher boy. Mm, you just come hear our preacher. We got this thing wrong. Because we are overemphasizing the created when we should be overemphasizing the creator. Because. If the preacher leaves the building, who's got to be here, folks? Who, who? I mean, does it matter if I leave if the Creator's in the house? I mean, really. Does it matter if the praise team walks off the stage because they're ticked off? If the Creator's in the building, who cares? What if the preacher says, I just don't feel like preaching today? And I sit down, go to my office, I'm just not doing it. I've had it with you people. Scott, today's your day. (laughs) Who cares? As long as the Creator's in the building. So we create this culture to where we build a church around a man or a woman and we just and, and once you take them out the picture, every all the progress you've made's gone. The church goes to Haiti. Everything falls apart. Every ministry you ever had falls apart. I'm telling you why. Because we overemphasize on the wrong thing. When a church wants to get back to the vineyard and the heritage that God has given us, we're gonna find ourselves lifting up the name of Jesus uh, rather than everybody else. Uh, and we're gonna find ourselves going in the world and saying, You ought to come see a man. You ought to come see Jesus. He's at our church every week. Bless God. You can't miss it. Go ahead to the piano. I'm closing, uh, sister. A modern day Naboth has seen to it that what could not be freely given up or bought has been traded for a weaker and ineffective imitation of the true Pentecostal 
experience, meaning in short that most churches have settled for an imitation. They have traded it for their crowds. They have traded it for their money. They have traded it for popularity in the community. But there is a spirit that is rising up among the church of Jesus Christ and a group of people that are shouting the words, devil, I am not trading this pure experience of Pentecost for some diluted, watered-down imitation. So let us rise up together as one body, as one voice, and let us tell the devil, devil, you can't have our vineyard. Our forefathers have worked too hard for this. My mother sacrificed too much, took me to church, sent me to a Christian school, paid for it when she was struggling to pay for it, but always made sure that my Pentecostal heritage was first. And here I stand today. thing's worth too much to me to give up on it now. Pentecost, Pentecost, Pentecost. And our children, we declare, are not going to hear just stories that we tell. And our children, it's not going to be a vague memory like many of us it is right now. But they're going to know also what Pentecost is all about. And I want to leave you with this thought. Pentecost see, what problem that we have, and I'm closing, I promise you, two minutes and I'm out. Pentecost has become just what, what other people see us as. I had somebody ask me the other day, said, what is a Pentecostal church? This wanting to come to our church. They're like, what do y'all do at Pentecostal churches? I'm like, well, I'm going to tell you one thing, we're excited about Jesus. That's what I told them. I said, we praise God. I preach with enthusiasm because I'm passionate about the God that I serve. I mean, my God, if they can go to Clemson Stadium and scream and paint their chest in stupid paint, and I come up here and preach until I'm sweating, and you call me crazy, get over yourself. I don't care what you think. I could care less. I'm not working to be on the Clemson football coaching staff. I'm working to make it to heaven. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you, their teams have lost. They lost three games this year. It plumb tore me to pieces. But I came to church and said, thank God I'm a part of a team that's never going to lose. In the end, we're going to win. Yes, sir. But we have developed a stigma that people think all that Pentecost is about is a shout. And I want you to understand, I will shout, I will dance before the Lord, I'll kick my leg, I'll jump up and down and clap my hands. I'm not afraid of shouting. But we have developed a stigma that that's what Pentecost is about. And the devil has used that to his advantage. Are y'all ready? And he has masked it. I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit. And there's some churches today that you could go to and all they run off of is emotionalism. It is fueled off of it. You can tell it from the start to the finish. All they are trying to do is to get your spine to tingle. That's it. And what has happened, it has been masked and covered up the true Pentecostal experience. And people think that just because they feel this way, they're experiencing Pentecostal power. They're Pentecostal heritage. But I'm telling you, it is far more than that. Listen to me and listen to me good. Pentecost, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it, Pentecost is a heart change. 
You can shout down the aisle. You can shout hallelujah. And you can walk out those doors and live like hell. You can do that if all you have is an emotional stigma. But when you come into a presence of God and the Spirit of God hovers over you and fills your body and you walk out a door changed, that's Pentecost. Pentecost is when mean people become sweet in His presence. Pentecost is when a man that hasn't cried in 20 years, you didn't even think he could anymore. All of a sudden, he's pulling out a hanky and he's wiping tears from his eyes. Pentecost changes us. Pentecost makes us want more. We're not satisfied. I, I was looking at these chips the other day and it said, you can't just eat one. And I figured out what those Tom's little crunchy fries that are hot you can't eat just one you just keep eating and eating and eating and your mouth's burning but you don't care you want more and I'm telling you that when true Pentecost happens that's the way it is it's not just oh man good service day preacher I enjoyed that sermon hey y'all have a good week now I'll see you in three weeks really? You're staying out of His presence that long? You don't want to be in His presence for three more weeks? You don't want to come into the house that's called the house of prayer for that long? Really? This is when I know that true Pentecost isn't happening. I don't care how good this service is today. It is heart change that makes me know that we're still a Pentecostal church. Because when I get in His presence... Something draws me back. And I'm saying, wait a minute. i got to get back there. I'm not getting there for just a sermon. I'm not getting there for just a song. I am getting there because of what I feel when I go in that house. Because Jesus shows up. All of my worries and cares, they subside. Everything that I was stressed about this week, it leaves me. I don't care anymore. Because I'm in His presence. So it makes us want more, and that is exactly why Satan wants the vineyard. You ready? Because he's scared of it. Ahab was intimidated because of the closeness of a vineyard that didn't belong to him. And I'm telling you that Satan is intimidated by our Pentecostal heritage and our vineyard. And I'm telling you, he's going to do everything he can to take it. But I want some people in this house to say, Pastor, the devil can't have it. Let's stand. I'm closing. I'm closing. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. His name shall be. His name is called. If there's anybody here today that you have heard what I said and you want to have a moment with God, it's not even 12 o'clock. I preach longer than normal. But if you want to have a moment in His presence, I want you to come. I want you to come forward if you want a moment with Jesus. It's not about me right now. It's not about me. It's about you and Jesus. If you want to bask in His presence, I'm going to let you come. You can stay where you are. You can do whatever you want. Just get in His presence. Do I have anybody that will tell the devil you're not getting this vineyard? Do I have anybody that's willing to fight for it? 
There's a guy in the Bible. His name is Shema. Anybody ever heard of him? Shema. There's a little pea patch that they've been planting for the Israelites. The pea patch belongs to them, right? The pea patch belongs to his kids. A matter of fact, I'm going to go as far as to say the pea patch was the way he was going to feed his kids this year, right? The Philistines, year after year, had swept in and took that pea patch. And year after year, Israelites, regardless of the fact, I want, I want this, I, the Holy Ghost, help me to send it in their heart right now in Jesus' name. Regardless of the fact that their children would be hungry tonight. They stepped back and said, we ain't fighting them. You can have the pea patch. And year after year, they took what was not theirs. Satan came in. The enemy swept in and took it. And their children sat on the pew and they were famished. Their children sat at home and they were hungry. Their children, their family, their grandchildren. Everybody's hungry because the enemy took the field. But one year there's a guy named Shema that gets in the field, gets him a weapon, and said, Not this year! And Brad, the amazing thing of the story, nobody else was standing with him. Nobody else. It's so sad. I mean, you'd have thought somebody would be like, Hey, I brought my sword, Shema. I'm ready. Let us fight together, friend. Nobody met him that day. He's standing out there all alone with his little weapon all by himself. But do you know what that man did? That night his children ate peas. And the Israelites and their kids ate peas. Because somebody finally grabbed a hold to the fact that that is ours. It is not yours. And you are not going to have it. And as I look across our world, I see heritage, vineyard after vineyard after vineyard, church after church after church, that the adversary has come in and he's stolen it. And all I'm trying to do is to raise awareness in your heart that lets you know somebody's got to stand in the vineyard and somebody's got to fight for the vineyard. And somebody has gotten to have a burden enough to say, I care about our church. I care about our heritage. I care about our children. Well, I don't want them just coming to church and sitting on a pew and famishing and dying. I want them to come to church and leave full of the Spirit of God and the anointing of God. I want them to know what God can do. Go ahead, sing. Do whatever you want. I got a couple of people praying. Let them pray.